Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, Arthur and I discuss the final trailer to Spider-Man No Way Home, which is chock full of Easter eggs, some intentional and some unintentional? Question mark. We also discuss one of the movies that we missed while we were on hiatus, Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. And it is a Ryan Reynolds movie. So you already know what you're going to get. <laughs> that's a, that's a Spoilers, great, it's that's fucking a delightful. Little, great little tidbit for that. <laughs> and then in Arthur's gaming news, we will discuss Multiverses, the new Smash Brothers clone coming from Warner Brothers. Multiverses! And then our deep dives for this week will be the Chucky television series debuting on Sci-Fi Slash USA. We are up to episode six by this point. Arthur's seen the first few. I've seen them all, and we've got a lot to say about it. And finally, we will discuss The Harder They Fall, which is the new Western by James Samuel, starring Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors. I'm sure Arthur's got a lot of thoughts on that. Oh, hell yeah. On this week's episode of... Wait, is, is that our first Western theme yep. intro? <laughs> and I, I meant that you would have a lot of thoughts on it because you love Westerns, not because you're black. Yeah, we all know that's what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This racism. <laughs> Casual racism. No, we're all going to have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> no, but but you're my best friend, and you've given me permission, you know, uh, yes, to be yes, casually yes, racist, yes, yes. right? Yes, okay, yes, good, yes. good, good, good. <laughs> That's right. So you know, other other uh, other people of color who are out there, don't attack me, and other white people who are out there, don't emulate me. Don't attack them, y'all. Hey, hey, Craig, Craig, put that down. Craig, no. <laughs> When, when the inevitable race riots come, you just tell everybody I'm cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's Depends awful. on how this podcast goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm podding for my life over here. How are you today, sir? Hey, man. Oh, just, I've just been having a great time. I've just been getting so much voiceover work lately. I know. You had a big announcement recently, didn't you? Oh, yes. I, I'm, uh, I play Cade. In Seven Nights, uh, it's, a, it's a new mobile um, RPG-based um, adventure slash fighter RPG that just came out. Yeah, so like that's cool because I haven't really gotten uh, a character intro like introduction thing yet for video games. Usually, I've been playing like NPCs or some side character that just shows up for a second, you know, but this is like a playable character that you get to play with and stuff and build your stats up with and everything. So that was fantastic. It's already gotten me like two other jobs <laughs> when, I oh, made, wow. when I made that Shoot. announcement. Yeah. <laughs> that, that It's funny how that sort of like that ball rolls, you know, the more and more of those types of projects yeah. you do, the more and more you gain legitimacy and you're still the same voice actor you were when you were trying to get those jobs without that legitimacy, mm-hmm. but now you're getting them. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be like a real working voiceover artist, you're like working weekly. And I'm I'm basically bi-weekly at this point now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm quickly Ooh, it's getting close. Yeah, I'm getting close, close. where I'll be working weekly and 
it's beautiful, man. It's like the craziest job ever. <laughs> like so fun and and nothing to it. But like you know, of course, all the talent and and uh, the work that you put into it, you know, and you have to keep working, you know. But I mean, it's it's not like you know working at the at the ABBA, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like a real job. Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know no, it's no, work. video game work is work, man. And and I'm sure it was very difficult to sit in your little booth and to do, oh, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. Oh, those oh, are all man, the noises. Hey, like, okay, we're good, Arthur. Thank you. That's uh, three punches and a dying. Yeah. You should get a voiceover, Tommy. <laughs> oh, see? See, look at it. See, I accidentally just did your job. That's how hard it is. <laughs> oh, man. I love you. No, no, I know it's hard, and I, I appreciate your work. That's why I make fun of it. Oh, I just, man. you know, video games to me, it's an area I know very little about, so you really are my entry point into that whole world, be it through your work or through Arthur's Gaming Corner. No, I didn't get to ask you how you doing. <laughs> oh, I, I jumped the gun a little bit. How am I doing? <laughs> Shit, I'm good. Um, this isn't about just me. Yeah, what are just, you talking about? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm only interested in you. I'm not very interested <laughs> yes, in me. You are. I mean, what what do I have? To You're talk? Very no, no, no. I thank you, thank you. I'm right now. I'm sort of on hiatus, figuring out what the next sort of thing's gonna be. You know, we uh, we just finished up pumpkin season, and um, the schedule for me for that is so hectic that I really like to take a few weeks before I even think about what I'm going to do next, but I've been spending a lot of that time, um, mixing our other episodes of our podcast. Sorry, they're not coming out quicker, but this shit is hard for me. So don't judge me. And uh, you're still here. And, um, yeah. And I'm still getting better. My hearing is coming back. It's pretty wild. Headphones mm -hmm. sound cool. And, and I am getting better. Um, I am in talks with, um, some folks about doing a project. That's about all I'll say about that. It is nice. pumpkin related. So there, there may be some additional pumpkin announcements on the horizon. So nice. I'm talking to some people, but not to be cryptic, but that is literally all I can say about yeah, it. But other than that, I'm just enjoying my time and I am so blessed. It's so fortunate that I'm able to take time when I feel like I need time for me and I'm taking some me time right now and I'm enjoying it. That's great. Fantastic. Fucking A. And I'm, you know, watching TV and trying to catch up on movies. We're going to talk about Free Guy later on, which I missed back in August. And I'm so glad I caught. Uh, spoilers. I enjoyed it. I like everything. So that's really no surprise. But, but first, but first, now that we know, now that we know what's going on with me, I want to know about this new DC slash Warner Brothers Smash Bros style game. I saw the trailer on it, and um, what you got? You'll find about that and more on Arthur's Video Game Corner. Corner, 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 corner. <laughs> that's, we're just going to leave it. I might put a little reverb on it, but that's way better than I could even do mixing it. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, as everybody knows here, um, I've been a total gamer for almost 30-something years, 30-odd years. and um, I've I've been kind of a jaded gamer for the past ten years, honestly. Not you, no. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to really get me excited about a game. So <laughs> I have to say, the game today is pretty exciting because I got the one game that I will play consistently forever is the Smash Brothers series. It's just such a great stress reliever, 
Um, even though my doctor would tell you that it does increase my stress. <laughs> um, Gets the heart pumping a little hard. Oh, uh, yeah, man. But so Warner Brothers, they're releasing a new sort of a Smash Brothers clone called uh, Multiversus. And uh, if you don't know anything about Smash Brothers from Nintendo, it the whole conceit behind it is all of the famous Nintendo characters fighting each other. So you'd have Mario and Yoshi. Yeah, yeah. Get here, bitch! You know, and he would like be, beat up like any of the <laughs> neighboring uh, uh, characters from different franchises, like Link or Zelda. Kirby or something. Yeah, Kirby. But um, as the games have gone on, they've they've put so many more characters. This game, this game has like over eighty characters you could play with, and um, the recent one was Sora from Kingdom Hearts, and that probably means like zittily squat to you right now. <laughs> no, no, I know I'm familiar with Kingdom Hearts. I had a good friend of mine many, many years ago who was obsessed with the original Kingdom Hearts game. So I'm actually way more familiar with that than I might ordinarily be. So, well, there you go. Uh, so, so th- what you know, the, it's huge that they got Zora on there because it's a Disney property. So, like, yeah, that's true. Know, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Sakurai, uh, who makes the. Um, the make the Smash Brothers game. He's basically been working with his team to work with all these other companies to, you know, you know, you can imagine that this is like a rights nightmare <laughs> when it comes to getting all of these franchised characters into the, into the game. So um, that being said, Smash Brothers has been one of the most profitable games. Oh yeah. Along easily. With po- Pokemon and, and, and all what have you. Um, so there's there's basically people are seeing that model and they want to do the same thing. So first up to the plate was Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon just came out with a game uh, about two months ago uh, called Nickelodeon All Stars mm-hmm. uh, Battle Royale, I think it's called. But uh, basically, you got SpongeBob and uh, Oblina and just a bunch of characters that like no kids today know. <laughs> mm. And but the fatal like they they worked really hard to get the controlling right on this game, but they 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 committed the greatest crime by not having any voiceover in it. What do you mean by that? Well, like in any sort of a, either either a movie or game, if Ryu hits Ken, you hear ooh ah uh, ooh ah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the gag <laughs> I made earlier, right? right. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I mean, you you need that to be part of it, like. If you, it's right. like watching a movie and they're hitting each other and you never hear anything. You never hear a punch. It it robs you of that visceral experience. So um, as you can imagine, with with a game like that, with those wealth of characters not having voiceover, there was a pretty big drop off, you know. And it, I can it might see that. it might not have been um, voiceover based for everybody. Some for some people, it might have been the controls. It might have been yeah. like um, the cheap quality of the game, you know. Um, well, you know, it's one thing that stands out to me just as you describe it that I think is is kind of um, would be a sticking point for me is is that I think it's fun to watch Bugs Bunny punch Superman. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's fun necessarily on a long enough timeline to watch Bugs Bunny punch Daffy Duck or punch, you know, uh, Finn from Adventure Time or something like that. I think part of the fun becomes watching the goofy, non-threatening, non-fighting characters fighting actual fighting characters. And when I look at the Nickelodeon verse, I don't know how many warriors I see. Well, they have Korra and they have Ninja Turtle characters. 
You know. Oh and, shit! They have the Ninja Turtles, huh? Yeah, they they these games always have a mixture of like action based characters. Like for, like for instance, in Smash Brothers, you'll have Yoshi against Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly <laughs> my point. Is that yeah. I couldn't think of any action heroes from the Nickelodeon verse, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles certainly would qualify. Yeah, yeah. So. That being said, talking about Nickelodeon, now you have Warner Brothers coming out with uh, multiverses. And Warner Brothers has been kind of doing everything they can to like take advantage of their huge amount of IP. <laughs> you know, like you know, <laughs> like like what they try to do with that like insidious uh Space Jam sure, movie. Sure, sure. <laughs> and um now like they, they actually you know, are putting their IP to good use. Like that's, it's really smart for them to make this type of game. Cause it's, it's something that makes sense for them to use all these characters, like in a fun way. And honestly, they've been making pretty good games for the past 10 years. Like they have the, what's that series? The series like this by the Mortal Kombat guys with uh, the, uh, the DC characters. Well, the DC characters have been integrated into Mortal Kombat. Yes. Yes. I, I forgot the name of the, that game. Um, but but that being said, they've they've been making a bunch of pretty good games over the past couple of years, especially mm-hmm. with their characters like the the Arkham the Arkham Knight series mm-hmm. with Batman. That's like one of the probably if not the best Batman game ever made. It definitely is. Yeah, people have been there. really positive on it. Yeah. So um, all in all, I'm excited about this new thing. Uh, they just released the 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 first look video of it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. My, my my hope is first of all, I was just happy that it had voiceover. <laughs> you know because daddy's got to eat yeah man <laughs> yeah like they they got the they got the original voice of batman from the animated series oh um, nolan north no 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 um from the animated series yeah um no i'm batman you know like uh Ke- kevin conroy Kevin Conroy Kevin they, Conroy yeah they brought yep. back Kevin Conroy uh for batman and um they they have Steven Universe in the game, but it sounds like his voice is different because the gentleman that played uh, Steven Universe is like a, he's just an older guy. And um, mm-hmm. you know they got Bugs Bunny and all these. They got Shaggy, man. They got Ultra <laughs> Instinct Shaggy. <laughs> well, it's the meme. They're bringing. They're finally bringing the meme to life, where Shaggy is the ultimate Warner Brothers superhero. Yeah, uh, uh, you 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 quickly saw the inside look before this. You saw how cool they were making shaggy look <laughs> he does look pretty awesome i think he throws a sandwich at somebody at some point it's pretty fucking cool gee scoop <laughs> and uh yeah they got Arya stark wonder woman uh superman's in there mixing it up no it looked great it looked great i mean the the cool thing about it is like you know like they're gonna they warner brothers has so much ip that they're going to constantly bring out new characters every year. Well, this seems like a real easy way to deploy them because you don't you don't have to have any rhyme or reason to it. You just the answer is because we can. Why is Arya Stark there? Because we can. <laughs> you know, and that'll be it for every character that gets introduced from this point forward. It'll just be because we can. And that's good fun. They don't need an explanation. Exactly right. They don't need an explanation. You just you just do it because you can do it because it's fun. I, and I think that's a perfect segue to why you make a movie like Free Guy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of video games that are right. just plain fun, holy yeah. cow, this movie was goofy fun. I know we're not going to spend much time on it because it's been there, done that sort of thing. It, it mm-hmm. came out uh, first week of August, I believe it was. Uh, August 13th. The intro for this section is... Rewind, rewind, rewind. 
<laughs> We're not doing intros for every section. That's not a thing. Don't make it a thing. Stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> it was great when it's when not Kevin, a thing. It was great when Kevin did it. When Kevin and Ralph did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss Hollywood Babylon in its in its old form. That was such a great show. If anybody's listening to this, go back and listen to uh, old episodes of Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. Really, really funny shows and all the little intros to the different bits they would do, but. They yeah. could pay a guy to mix those in, and I don't, I don't know. So I, I don't noise. think they would. I don't think they would get canceled <laughs> with and Hayes's butthole. <laughs> of all the bits on there, you got to sing that one. Now I got to put an E on this freaking episode because you're singing about butthole. <laughs> to anybody who's parked at a gas station filling up with this playing on the radio, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, just why it wouldn't work today. <laughs> That's right. I always apologize to people at gas stations whenever we uh, say inappropriate words or you drop end bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga down for going to make the other drivers <laughs> uncomfortable. But no, free guy, free guy, free guy. We're talking about free guy, and it was holy cow! It's the most Ryan Reynolds thing that ever Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, like that's really all he's got to do by this point is just be himself. Yeah. And people want to go see that in a movie because spoilers, it's fucking delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was really good in this. Uh, Jody Comer and then uh, Joe Carey, of course, rounding out the sort of main cast. I mean, Ty Watiti as the villain. Yeah, so Taika. much fun. Everybody is fun. Yeah. Taika is good. And uh, um, I don't know. Um, I was watching it with my daughter and my daughter had a good time. And I I don't know I was I was I was kind of lukewarm I, I felt like I don't know I felt I felt like there was there was a lot of issues I felt with this movie you know first of all they they you had the the whole black friend thing in there and and um you know that well I be, mean what you don't want little Ray Howery playing another security guard <laughs> which he's, yeah, he's, he's which he didn't get out. out of course yeah so, he's uh, so yeah. But he's delighted. He's delightful. He's awesome. Yeah, he but, was so much fun. He's just so he's just so nice. Everybody's so nice in this. Yeah, I I get a little sick of the black friend trope in movies, though. Honestly, you know, uh, it's, it's not like yeah. But had... if they didn't put him in, then you'd be like, "Where's the representation? All the characters are white." So what way do you want it, Arthur? <laughs> we put him in. It's a trope. We don't put him in. Cast too white. I, we speaking on behalf of all white people out there. I think it's pretty clear we can't win ever. That's right. I'm glad you realized that. Um, I realized that that white people simply can't win in this day and age. Jesus, Arthur, we're trying. Okay. Next time we'll remake Free Guy and everyone will be black and we'll have one white character in it and that can be the cliche. I now you're know. talking. I now I you're your talking. Argument. <laughs> You got the harder they fall. We're going to spend like a half an hour on that. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but there's really no sense in spending too much time on free guy because again, there are problems with it. It's not, if I were 13, this would be like my favorite movie. Yeah. That's, that's the point I'm making. My kid like, liked it and I like Ryan Reynolds, but I, we've, we've, we've been through this era of Ryan Reynolds, like, like 12 years ago. And uh, I mean, we're kind of it's it's weird to see him go from like a, a Deadpool kind of like flavor to something like this. That's like, you know, it's 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 not badly made. 
but it's just there was things about it that wasn't making me connect with it because of everything else that it was trying to ape. It was like aping, you know, Ready Player One. It was aping. Well, it was um, written by Zach Penn as well. Zach Penn wrote Ready Player One. Well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you have to watch out for stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, also Scott Pilgrim. See, as well. but I didn't think it aped Ready Player One as much as you might have thought. Like I thought it did a little bit, but I actually thought that it was it it, it was pretty tentative with that particular mm. line. I thought it towed that line well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll just say I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, all all in all, all in all, look, all in all is a solid movie. But I I thought I would like it more, and I didn't really like it that much. You know. I was happy watching Ryan Reynolds do his Ryan Reynolds thing. Like, you know, waiting, Deadpool, the voices, free guy. They're all the same guy. It's just Ryan Reynolds being snarky and good looking on screen. And as long as he can do that, that's fine by me. I don't think too much into it. Like I said, if I were 13, this would be my favorite movie in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not. So, you know, it's, it's what it is. But I figure if you get a couple of beers in you, if you get... You know, have a good time. Put this on in the background. Munch some popcorn. Don't think too much about it, but but enjoy it because it's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right on. Um. Oh, big big fun before God. We're we've been so tangenty today, but like before we dun, get into dun, some dun, of our heavier stuff. Dun 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 dun. Do 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 do. <laughs> Damn right, Spider Man: No Way Home. We got a new trailer for the film that is releasing yeah. on December seventeenth. It's right around the corner. And this trailer, uh, this showed us some things for sure. Um, not to put too fine a point on it, but we definitely got confirmation of what we knew, Doc Ock and then Green Goblin, of course. But now we get real good looks at Sandman, Electro, and the Lizard. Mm-hmm. So we got five, count them, five Spider-Man villains that uh, presumably our man Tom Holland's going to have to battle on his own. No, no, Mysterio is on, on the poster too. He's just invisible. <laughs> Mysterio is dead. He is dead. He's not. Gonna no, he's Mysterio definitely in this dead. movie. They're not going to have five no, out of the six, no. six Sinister Six. Are you kidding me? Nope, nope, nope. He's let's definitely let's put it up. in this. I don't know. I don't know what the wager is. Will prize to be determined? <laughs> but Tom, but you know I always win, no, bro. Mysterio. Nope. I, nope. I always win. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, you don't. I will go back and listen to every fucking episode you've ever done because I remember I won one in the beginning. I did win one. I don't remember what it was, but I did. <laughs> Captain Marvel is black, all right? <laughs> That's my biggest loss to date. But anyway, let's not get sidetracked. We got so much to talk about today. We got to talk about this. So we're getting definitely Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Sandman, Electro, and the Lizard. Yeah. For sure. For uh, sure. I, I think the biggest battle that you've seen is like is overshadowed by the battle of Marvel and Sony <laughs> over like how to publicize this movie. <laughs> you well, see yeah. It, I you mean, see it all through the campaigns. Like that one poster that they had where Green yeah. Goblin is like a speck in the back of the poster. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> who who yeah, has yeah, yeah, ever sure. designed a poster like that? <laughs> it's like Marvel's well, just like, I want to keep it a secret. Sony's just like, oh, no, we need to we need to put it out there because we don't know how to actually do this stuff. So we need to just put it all just put it all on the wall. 
<laughs> well, Sony's under the impression that they have to get people excited for a movie. Cause if you're Sony, you better get people excited for your damn movies. And Marvel's mm-hmm. like, trust us. They're fucking excited. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that's the difference between there is such a panic when Sony makes something relative to when Marvel yes. makes something, yes. the patience that Marvel is able to show. That's what I'm saying. You can see it playing out in how they're publicizing these trailers and and posters. It's so crazy to watch, man. Oh, my God. We we get so much out of this trailer where we get definite confirmation on all five of those villains. We get total confirmation that Doc Ock will be integrating his technology with Stark nanotechnology. They show that in the trailer, which is wild that they Mm -hmm. give that away. Yeah. Um, and then the big question everyone has is where the hell is Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Because the leaks have all been pretty clear on the fact that they are returning for this film, presumably, and yet they are definitely not in the trailer. And I I applaud that decision on Marvel's part, although although Arthur and I both were aware of the fact that in the Brazilian edit of this trailer, there's a little bit of an uh-oh, a little bit of a mistake made by the editing team. What did they do, Arthur? So we we now have a long history of Marvel lying, <laughs> outright lying about like what's in their trailers and in, in their movies. Yep, they show stuff in the trailers that never makes it to film, and they re-edit things after the trailer's out. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, they completely changed up the narrative. Um, and uh, I think I think what ha- what's happened with this movie is that um, so much of what they're showing has been dictated by the massive spoilers that have been plaguing this movie all year. That like they they have to show something, but like they can't do all their clever stuff that they usually do, because yeah, like. Like, I mean, even it got to the point where Foggy had to tell people, you guys need to manage your expectations for our movie. And that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, he said specifically that they had to manage their expectations for how much Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield is going to be in this movie. Yeah. But I'm just saying for him to even have to say something like that is like nuts. You know? It's true. It's true. how How much people have just garnered information about this movie. So um, in the scene, I can't believe Marvel even like was able to let this co- go through the cracks, you know, because I mean, it's not like it's a long trailer. <laughs> Watch the trailer <laughs> before you put it out there. Yep, yep. So we, we basically well, have a scene a at the end cut the Brazilian, you know, Portuguese language cut. Yeah. You basically have a scene where, you know, you got Sp- uh, our Tom Holland, Spider-Man facing off against, all of the Sinister Five, I I still think it's Sinister Six. Like you know, Mysterious is in the shadows. You know, um, nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but you on in the American version, you see Lizard lunging at definitely not at Peter Parker. <laughs> at nothing, at, yeah, yeah. So that's your first clue in America that like somebody is they they've digitally erased the character, and, and you know most likely it's the Spider Man characters. And the then in the Brazilian, what do you see, Tommy? You see the lizard get punched or kicked by somebody who is not there, which means he's <laughs> been visibly struck by a character that's been erased. And yeah, by, by they, Mysterio. 
Yeah, Mysterio. he's invisible <laughs> fighting on Spider-Man's side now. No, it's not Mysterio. It's a Spider-Man. Yeah. And the thing of it is, is that the way you frame action shots like this is that you have a three-on-three, three, not a three-on-one, because you have three villains, and they're all engaging three separate points on the screen. One of them makes sense because Spider-Man's there. That makes sense. But when you look at electro firing electric beams at nobody and you see the lizard getting punched by nobody in a three-on-three frame shot you know that there are two other characters there that we're just not seeing that have been edited out and that those are presumably the spider men of this spider verse i'm hoping that there are still surprises somewhere though oh there's gonna be definitely surprises because like first of all at the end of the trailer Doctor Strange is, you know, we've already got blown our load with the characters that we've been suspecting to be in the movie. But then after that, uh, Doctor Strange is like, I can't stop them from coming, you know? So there's, Right, and then you there, see the fractured purple sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my thing is, I hope, man, if it were up to me, bro, I would have Miles Morales, like, like the version of Miles Morales from Into the Spider-Verse be one of the Spider-Man that came too. You know, we know that this is uh, a Tom Holland's like last Marvel one, and he's going to have to go to the Sony-verse. Boo-hoo, wah-wah, nanny-nanny, poo-poo. You know, you know, as much as I'd like him to stay, I mean, Sony, Sony just you really- You talk about that like it's a foregone conclusion. I'm still not buying it. Just <laughs> knock it off. You don't know right. any more than anyone else. going to be right. I'm going to be right. Nope. <laughs> No, nope, they've already nope, they said will continue so. Continue to play with each other. <laughs> yeah, they've said it, but they haven't said it. I'm, anyway, again, they also said Spider-Man was never coming back to this one. So just grain of salt, man. Grain yeah, salt. but we it all played out. In see, front of us. I would anyway. love, I would love to see Miles Morales, but for me, if there was one like super fucking crazy thing that they would do in this that we don't know about yet, I kind of want Emma Stone as Spider Gwen. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be bad either. I would love, that would be so fucking badass if we got Emma Stone back into the Marvel Universe as a legit Spider-Gwen. As Spider-Gwen. Like, why not? That would be so badass. I don't think there's any way to set up her as that Spider-Gwen. You know, because it'd be different if you if they had a, a somebody like a Shameik Moore um, as the actual live-action version of the into the Spider-Man version of Miles Morales. Yeah. But uh, there's there's never been any setup for Emma Stone as Spider-Gwen. She was Gwen Stacy for for two movies. Though. Yes, but those of but, us who know know. Yeah, but she died as Gwen Stacy in that movie. So like there was no way for her to be set up as, you know, cuz like that Gwen Stacy came from another world. So to me it just would make more sense they would actually cast somebody new to be a live version action of that of that of that character. I know that's I mean, probably it'd be, it'd the be way nice. it would happen, but it would be badass. Oh yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be totally nice. I mean, I that we're making the movie completely bloated. I feel like if it, <laughs> yeah, if anything, yeah, if anything, are. if they do show Miles Morales, it would be like like a tag at the end. But to me, it'd be so sick if he was actually one of the people that helped fight at the end. You know. Like setting up Miles in a big way for Marvel Studios, like, you know, yeah, we're turning Spider-Man three into Avengers Endgame here. Unless yeah. this movie is three hours and twenty minutes, there's no way <laughs> uh, to contain I'm all here, of I'm this. I'm here for it, bro. <laughs> I would, I would, I would watch that. I actually wouldn't complain. 
All right, I might complain a little bit about three <laughs> hours. I'm gonna complain a little bit about a three hour Spider Man movie, but yeah, I'm here for it. I mean, I I just think, me too, me too. God, that would be so great because it'd be the easiest way to introduce Miles. Man, we had them. We yeah. had to into the Spider Verse movie. Like, just just let let us have that version of Miles, man. If this would be the movie to do it with all this dimensional shit, man. Oh man, please! If they end up, if if it's as done a deal as you say it is, that uh, Tom Holland is strictly going into the Sony verse and out of the Marvel verse, then yeah, yeah, give me Miles Morales. I'm I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You know, like I mean, that had to be the the. What else could the negotiation be at that at that ninth hour? You know. Or they just focus their attention somewhere other than Spider-Man and say, you know, we'll get back to him. We'll get back to him. We got plenty of other toys to play with. But that was the thing. Marvel was able, was they were ready to let it go. So for them to actually make that negotiation, something had to be negotiated. To me, it makes sense if they got to play with Miles Morales. Because it'd be weird if if Sony was making two Spider-Man movies. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, if I know one thing for certain, I know that I don't know. They're going to do something that either will work or won't. And I'm, I'm not sure which direction it's going to be, but I would be in favor of Miles Morales. And I, I would also be in favor of, you know, Spider-Gwen, AKA Ghost Spider, which seems to make sense because those are the other two most prominently featured characters in their cartoon universes. And so I think they're, they're getting kids familiar with them. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're making a Silk series, you know, like they, they, they have to have Miles, man. They're setting up all these young heroes. Yeah, yeah, Miles has to be there. And as Tom Holland starts to age out, the one of the quintessential things about Spider-Man is that Spider-Man is perpetually young mm-hmm. in one sense or another. And Spider-Man is also perpetually about loss. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm yeah. I'm excited. I thought this was a good final trailer. And of course, you know, I'm going to be one of the first in line to go see it in December, uh, even if it isn't a movie theater with the rest of you plague rats. <laughs> <laughs> On to be the potatoes. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you and you you have a little bit of an accent there because it's Chucky. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh. <laughs> Voiced by the incomparable Brad Dourif back. In the titular role of Chucky the Murderous Doll. From the seven, count them, seven films. Mm -hmm. Child's Play, Bride of Chucky, Son of Chucky, Curse Mm -hmm. of... All of the of Chucky's. And (laughs) holy cow, it's amazing. It's amazing. Which, you know, all of this is canon. All of this counts. It's all one universe except for the Aubrey Plaza, Mark Hamill, Child's Play remake. Mm. That, that never existed here. Mm-hmm. So interesting thing before we start discussing this series, one of the reasons this series exists is because Don Mancini, who is the creator of Chucky and wrote the original Child's Play script when he was just barely older than a teenager, and has made his life's work out of this stuff, he was not invited to participate in the new Child's Play reboot. So he said, well, screw you guys. I still own my toys, and I'm going to go play with them on my own time. And that's where this series came out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, I think I think they just 
He doesn't own the word child's play. That's why so many of the movies following child's play three are called, you know, bride of Chucky, Mm -hmm. seed of Chucky, cult of Chucky, curse of Chucky, because Mm -hmm. the studio that produced the first three movies owns the term child's play and the title child's play. And they have rights to the character. Mm -hmm. And I think that they thought that they just needed to reinvent this for a new generation. And that, Sometimes you just need to change the driver in the car. And it wasn't a big slight to Don Mancini so much as it was just, we want to do something drastically different, which seems silly to me because Mancini specializes in drastically different. He directed and wrote all seven child's play movies. And for anybody who's a completist like me and you've seen them all, they couldn't be more different. It's it's pretty astounding how weird he allows himself to get. And this series is no exception. Uh, wh- what do you think? What do you think? You've seen the first two episodes. Uh, how are you feeling? On yeah. It? I think it's just in- impeccably made. It's just really awesome. Like looks expensive, right? Yeah. It's updated very well. It has all the great, you know, horror cues without like being, you know, it's, it's done by a master basically. And, and all, all for like, a, you know, a nice little series. And, I don't know, like, I mean, we've been living in a space where they've been making these type of series that, like, have one toe dipped in nostalgia and one toe, like, swirling in uh, modernity. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just, it just makes for a nice, you know, thing. I, I've been enjoying it. It's like, you know, you know, these shows, like, the way they're made, they're they're bingeable shows where they make you just, like, let, let the ne- ne- next episode roll. And make the next episode roll. <laughs> make the next episode. Oh well, because they always end on a damn cliffhanger. Exactly. Like, oh no! <laughs> you know, now you're watching an eight. I'm hour waiting movie. on episode seven. Um, the episodes debut Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. on either USA or Sci-Fi. But after episode six, I'm like sitting here with bated breath, waiting for episode seven because mm-hmm. that's what they do to you. They make you want to roll on to that next episode. Yep. So uh, I've been having a good time so far. The only thing that trips me out is like uh, I was telling you earlier, I think we've been experiencing like this like bully porn in a lot of these movies where like they just make these bullies do the most. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, like who would go that far to do the summer stuff? I mean, it's kind of weird to say something like that, because if a, if a bully will go so far as to get an AR-15 and shoot at the whole school, you know, yeah, of, of yeah. course, a bully can go far and do some of the things that they're doing in the show. But it just just seems like a little overkill sometimes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I think the genre permits that. I mean, look at uh look at look at it. You yeah. know, in, in the in the original it, a bully carves his name into another boy's stomach with a knife. Yeah. And he's just That's a bully. What I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like he's bully porn. Mm-hmm. It reminds it just reminds me of a man of steel. And like the type of bullies that uh, young Clark Kent had, and it just bordered on just ridiculous. <laughs> like, I just like I, just, I remember they they were just trying to find any name that they could call Clark, and it's just like there was nothing about Clark that that needed to, he needed to be bullied about. Like they Four just eyes. they just use it they use use it as a device in any of these stories for you to get whatever angst that that young character had or whatever thing the thing that that now future version of that character has been holding on to, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, in this series, yes, we do. We do have some pretty brutal bullying courtesy of Olivia Ann Lind, who plays Lexi Cross. Lexi Cross is the super popular girl 
who is pretty absorbed into her own privilege where everything she does is fine as long as it gets a bunch of views on her social media and that everything is a joke and it's just a prank and everyone should just lighten up because mm-hmm. we're just having a good time around here and what the heck. And she's vapid and her character actually will grow in very interesting ways in, in the coming uh, episodes. And there's, you know, we may do some mild spoilers, but I'm going to do my best to not spoil this for, uh, for Arthur. Cause he's only two episodes in and you guys, if you haven't seen it, I can't spoil it for you. Go, go online, find it. It's the new child's, sorry, Chucky, the series. There are going to be eight total episodes. Again, it's on USA and sci-fi and we'll do our best not to spoil it too much, but yeah, we we want her dead by the time we're at the end of episode two. She is mercilessly cruel to our main character, Jake Wheeler, played by Zachary Arthur. Yeah, uh, the, the main character is really great. You know, uh, I think all the kids are good. They're, um, yeah, they really are. All the kids really play their roles well in this. It, it's so funny because often these are always like high school kids and stuff, you know, but the, this is a middle school. And it's it's just so funny how these middle school kids are acting. I mean, it's just really a sign of our times, like how advanced our young people are. Uh, because well, yeah, because we're <laughs> we're. I feel old watching this because the one kid tells his teacher to fuck off, and she's like, "Fuck you." And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and but they're in the eighth grade, but they're throwing ravers when their moms aren't home and drinking and smoking weed, and I'm just like. I don't remember eighth grade like that. If we, because it wasn't like that. (laughs) If we have any eighth graders listening to this show, and I hope not, I'm sorry, guys. If we do, is it? Dude, this show is so tame. Really freaking (laughs) like that? That sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I watch this and I say to Rachel, I'm like, how can these kids be in middle school? I constantly have to remind myself this is set in a middle school, and they're just. They're so horrible, and they drink and do drugs the whole show. It's crazy. Is that happening? Oh, I told you I did substitute teaching for five years, and it's definitely happening. <laughs> like, oh, like, man. Like in, LA, in L.A. of all places, uh, I remember this fourth grader told me to fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never had the audacity. Yeah. I would have on the, the playground, my friend said, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so should go fuck themselves, but I could have never dreamt of saying it to their face. Yeah. I just, I, whenever I think about that, I think about how innocent um, my group of uh, my era of kids were like, there's this one kid that was, he was the edgiest one in the class and in class, he would say, uh, he was like, oh, F that. And everybody would be like, ooh. <laughs> just not even a directional F bomb. Just yes. sort of like uh, an F dirty bomb. It exploded yeah. in the middle of the room. It wasn't aimed at anyone. It just sort of got everywhere. And now you're in trouble. But yeah, these kids are fucking cruel. And they, they, uh, they throw a big party and they mercilessly ridicule the the main character jake wheeler and so jake is a loner and jake likes to make sculptures out of dolls and he buys a chucky doll oh my god dude tom like i was aghast when he when his father destroyed his son's art oh destroyed his art he gave me so many bad memories i've had And people are just like shitting on my art and all that sort of stuff. Like it's just like it was 
it was like probably the most horrified that I was in that whole show. <laughs> my mouth was yeah, hanging Yeah, I have open. a little bit of that too. Yeah, I you're mean, an my, artist my too. dad thought that the art stuff was a little effeminate and weird growing yeah. up. He, he, he thought the artsy shit, you know, that I should just be focusing on baseball and not worrying about all that art crap. Yeah, but, I, I knew you, you had know. to feel so that I, too. So I, I got tinges of that as well myself. Oh my God, I know you had to feel that too. I got, when I was like, oh my God, like, because it was the last thing I expected. You know, he just came, brought oh, that yeah. bat. I was like, oh, oh, because look how hard artist, he worked you look on at that. The no. intricacy <laughs> of what he's made, and it is weird and disturbing from a normie perspective. I totally get that, but when you just look at the amount of time it must have taken to yeah. make it, and then watching his father <laughs> destroy it with a baseball bat, because spoilers, his son is gay, yeah, and. I think it's really interesting too because Don Mancini, the writer of Child's Play, is gay, mm-hmm. and largely he has completely uh, unexplored that territory in his movies. He's never brought his perspective or any sort of narrative, being from the you know the LGBTQ plus community, into his movies, and now he's got it in his series. And again, it's just it's another place for Don Mancini to go and to have something to say about it. And his movies always delve into these weird, uh, well, so sorry, as a main character, we do have in seed of Chucky, uh, his son is, is trans fluid. So that is definitely uh, Don Mancini addressing some issues of sexuality, but as far as having the main human protagonist be gay, this is our first uh, illustration of that. And that leads to a fantastic moment in the second episode the Chucky, I'm not a monster line was oh, yeah. so perfect. Oh, yeah. So the kid's talking to, to Chucky. Chucky's revealed himself. And he says, you know, basically Chucky discerns that Jake's dad would beat him for being gay. And Chucky trying to get on Jake's side goes, well, I have a trans fluid son and I'm totally fine with that. And he looks at me and goes, really? You're okay with that? And he goes, sure. I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most perfectly placed, like, wow, we're starting to actually like Chucky a little bit. He's got some progressive social views. He wants to kill this girl that we fucking hate by this point in the show. And by the end of episode two, you are actively rooting with Chucky. You're on his side. He's the good guy, no pun intended, of the series now. <laughs> See what I did there? You did it. You did intend that. and so now we're with it before we're horrified when chucky just goes on a murder spree but when chucky's sitting out going hey 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 jake we have to agree that some people just need killing yeah chucky should kill those kids this lexi chick and all of her friends they're awful right (laughs) and if they were dead would that really affect anything other than making your life better so let's go get to the business of making your life better buddy and you're with yeah, him and kids. suddenly you're like yeah fuck those kids and you're like wait they're eighth graders stop don't root for dead kids <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but you are by the end of episode two when jake gets catches his reflection in that knife and you're like holy shit jake is ready to kill these kids mm-hmm. and you have um other really good supporting actors in this oh god i'm gonna mess up his name uh, Bjorgvin Arninson plays Devin Evans, which is mm. fantastic. Uh, Tio Brionis plays Junior Wheeler, which is Jake Wheeler's uh, rich, snooty cousin. 
Um, of course, Brad Dorif back as Chucky. I mean, you mm -hmm. can't you can't do the show without Brad Dorif as the voice. And when I look at the behind the scenes stuff, oh my God, he's getting old. Yeah. Holy cow! Does that mean we're getting old? Because he looks fucking old now. Yes, that's what that means, Tom. And later on in the in the series, we're gonna get some flashbacks where they do the de aging on him, and it actually looks really fucking good. That's the other oh, nice. thing about this show. This show looks like they spared no expense mm -hmm. on everything. Everybody's back. So if there's an original character from any one of the first seven movies that you loved, they're coming back. And then the other thing is the doll is everything. And he looks amazing. Mm -hmm. He looks so good. And you would think with television that there would be some impetus to cut corners. And I guess maybe that's why this is a team up between USA and sci-fi. But holy cow, he looks freaking amazing. So mm -hmm. I guess that's all we got to say on that. Otherwise, we'll end up spoiling stuff and we'll end up with another hour and a half episode. So I love Chucky. You love Chucky. Everybody loves Chucky. You want to watch this show. You're saying, should I take the time? Is it really worth it? Fuck yeah, it's worth it. If you're listening yeah, to this podcast, good. go go watch this show. It's good times. And then catch back up with us when we catch up after the roundup because this shit is getting crazy. And that's all I'm going to say. This show is getting so mean, so mean spirited and so wild at the end that I can't wait for the last two episodes. So I'm here for it. I'm here for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Total yeah. insanity. And now the big movie of the day, Arthur, which is? Bonanza. Black, Black Bonanza? <laughs> Bonanza. <laughs> it's the harder they fall, man. So good. James Samuel. Uh, this is a heavy hitter movie. We got Regina King, Zazie Beats. We have Idris Elba. We have Lakeith Stanfield, Jonathan Majors. Uh, rounding out the the cast, um, we have a, a a bunch of other beautiful people. Delroy Lindo. Delroy, Delroy Lindo. Lindo. Yeah, playing uh, playing uh, Bass Reeves, the cop. Yeah, Bass Reeves, the marshal. Heck yeah! The, oh, the Lone he's Ra so the Lone good. Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Yeah. It's basically the same role he had in Gone in 60 Seconds. That's all. Well, yeah, yeah, perfect. perfect <laughs> He's the cop perfect. on the trail <laughs> who has to work with a sort of pseudo-criminal to do the right thing, but it might be illegal to do it the way we got to do it. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, basically the same role as Gone in 60 Seconds now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so first off, just the, just the mighty points of this movie is that everybody's on full tilt like oh yeah everybody's like the intensity of every character and and just the lived-in quality of a lot of these characters and just how genuine everyone is in this movie was just i just i, I couldn't appreciate it harder enough you know because i i tend to like westerns i don't watch every western but i like to sit down with a western you know usually western stories is always the same you know um you know but but this one had a whole of the vibe because it had uh, uh, anachronistic music in it for for one mm -hmm. thing. I mean, I think a movie like this would have would have helped if there was you know a little bit more of like some some kind of classic sort of uh, Western music. But um, might have been a little served by that. Yeah, but that that but that being said, there was a lot of uh, really interesting things that they played instead in 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 its in its stead. Um, that was mm -hmm. really cool too. I I really feel like um I have to give it up to Zazie Beats because I didn't like her. I mean she's the the thing that I've liked her the most in was Atlanta and I sure, I did sure. not like her as Domino at all. 
No. I felt like, you know, I didn't like her. Like, it's just such a, like, ineffectual performance. She was in Domino from the comics, but I thought she, for what she was doing in her own right, was good fun. I liked her. No. Not her performance. I thought her the conceptualization of her was amazing. You know, the, to do the vitiligo for the, 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 the like, you know, for the, the, the Domino patch was mm-hmm. brilliant like and that's probably the only movie that's ever happened <laughs> you know it, it was pretty clever and forward thinking for that oh my god it was great but, but she's great what, in this what is, is what is stage coach mary fields that's what i'm well that's what i'm saying like like com- try to compare those performances her domino performance and this movie she is oh so well those a- are those are totally drastically different movies. That's I wouldn't not what I'm talking about. The man. same thing from Deadpool two as I do from this movie. I don't expect them to be the oh, same. Oh come on! Think about Ryan Reynolds in every movie that he does. Like he just he brings the energy and brings the power. Yes, of- but Deadpool two should have a certain amount of tongue in cheek bullshit. Like I could see her trying harder for this movie if that's not a weird way to put but, it. But she had she was like she didn't have charisma or anything in that movie. Like there was Are we talking anything- about Deadpool 2? Are we talking about How Do They Fall? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Zazie Beats and why I think she's fantastic. Fair. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm because like that, that's like the last thing we saw her in was Deadpool, you know? Um, you know, like Atlanta's been on break for Atlanta. like four years, <laughs> you know? She's Atlanta's around, been- she's doing shit. I haven't seen it. Anyway, nah, she is fantastic in this movie. Jonathan Majors is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. Yeah, no kidding, right? Ever since I saw him in um the the last black uh the last black man in San Francisco. Last black man in San Francisco, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's just great, man. Um, like everything I've been watching him do, it's just been great. It's good it's good to see uh, Lakeith doing his thing with like this um with it in this ensemble, yes, he just had a really, really interesting character, you know. And then Regina, she's like our world class actress. She's been a world class actress for like yeah. twenty years. Most underrated world class actress who's just been getting her due finally. Well, now she isn't underrated. Now, holy cow! She's oh, that's what I'm saying. She's been getting her due finally. Like she's like, like the the amount of magnetism she has every time she's on on the screen. You know, so like this movie was just like just a rapturous gift for me. You know, nice. Well, let's do the um, let's do the fifty cent on it for people who maybe haven't caught it. Mm-hmm. Basically, the story is the story of a of a battle between two gangs. We have one gang, which is the Nat Love gang, that stars you know Jonathan Majors as Nat Love. We have uh, Edie Gethergy as Bill Pickett, R.J. Seiler as Jim Beckworth. Bill Pickett is the rifleman. Jim Beckworth is the quick draw artist. Then you have Daniel Detweiler as Cuffy, who might be the best character in the whole damn movie, as essentially stagecoach Mary Fields' muscle. So with Mary Fields being played by Zazie Beetz. On the other side, you have the Rufus Buck gang, which is headed up by Edris Elba as Rufus Buck. His right hand is Regina King. His muscle is, you know, Trudy Smith, along with Lakeith Stanfield as Cherokee Bill. That is his quick draw artist. And, uh, and then also they have uh, the guy who's been running the town in their absence, which is uh, Wiley Esco, played by Dion Cole. 
Fun fact about Dion Cole, he was also on The Cabin with Burt Kirshner. Yes. Just like somebody else I know. Yeah, me. <laughs> True, yes. And we have him basically rounding out the gang, although he gets his ass summarily whooped by the time Rufus Buck is out of is out of jail and back to running the town of Redwood. And that's one of the interesting things about this movie is, is that it feels bigger than I think it is when you realize that the vast majority of it only really has two or three settings mm -hmm. and you're not seeing a whole lot of extra characters. We have some background mm -hmm. townsfolk and stuff, but the world feels remarkably large for how small, how little of it you see. It's not the Western where they have to travel a long distance and you get to see all the land and everything. But it, def it definitely does feel bigger, especially when you got that one train scene. Oh, yeah, and the big swooping landscape shots, which are gorgeous. Yeah, and then you have, you have the bank heist as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's a showdown movie. And what you, what you have is just a wealth of characters and set pieces and interactions. You know, um, that was a really great scene. Um, at Zazie's, like just opening the movie, that uh, in Z in Zazie's uh, bar, uh, Stagecoach Mary's bar, and just you get really getting an idea who all those characters are, and all the extenuating circumstances they all find themselves in, uh, when mm -hmm. Bass when Bass Reeves uh, meets up with uh, Nat Love, yeah, and then uh, tell tell uh, also that that um that t title card. In the beginning of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> These are all real people. <laughs> These are all, and apparently they are. Apparently all yeah. of the characters are based on real known living persons, although the story yeah. itself is, of course, fictional. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, we get Jonathan Majors basically is, he is a guy who robs people who robs banks. So he's he he's an outlaw in that he is definitely committing crimes and robbing people, but he specifically makes the differentiation that he's not going to rob innocent people. He will sort of Robin Hood it, except he's going to keep it for himself. Mm -hmm. And the whole controversy comes about when they go and they rob some people who have robbed a bank on the behalf of Rufus Buck. So now Rufus needs the money that was supposed to be garnered from this bank robbery to rebuild the town of Redwood. And what's interesting is basically the, the story revolves around the fact that while Rufus and his gang aren't necessarily good people, they actually have a, an honorable objective, so to speak. They have an all black town that is prospering and now the government basically wants to sell, to give all of their land away to white settlers. And so unless they can purchase that land under the new system that's being devised, their land is going to get given away. So uh, Rufus Buck gets the idea, hey, I'm going to get together enough money that I can go purchase this land before it becomes open to settlement. Mm -hmm. And we will make our, as Lakeith Stanfield say, we are building a Mecca. Yeah. So we identify with their cause. Their cause is, is legitimately just. And when, uh, when, when Idris Elba beats the shit out of Dion Cole and sends him packing, it's because Cole has basically agreed to let the town be sold in exchange for him getting rich. And Cole's perspective is, is just, well, I can't stop it, so I might as well get rich doing it. Mm -hmm. And Idris Elba's like, oh, no, we can fucking stop this. And so they get to the business of trying to get that 25 grand. The problem is 
Jonathan Major's already done stuff. <laughs> so now we're going to have conflict. So um, now the, the twist at the end. Um, I, I hate twists like this because it's, it's always con- contingent upon the most random stuff happening. So it was like Buck had to just think that, you know, this was a suicide mission with all of these powerful people that he had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, what? <laughs> there is a lot of circumstance that has to allow that to happen, but we suspend a little bit of disbelief for the movie. I, yeah, I know. I get it. In order for us to have the big reveal at the end, which maybe we don't spoil. Maybe we don't spoil that. We have the big reveal at the end where... Rufus Buck and Nat Lover in the same room and they find out that they have common past and that they have connections that they might not have otherwise known about that. It takes an awful lot of circumstance to get them in that room together alive at the same time. So that's fair. That's a fair critique, (laughs) but so much of a lot of movies is circumstance. What the, what are you going to do? You have to get them together. Yeah. But some movies are able to build it really great. Mm. Like and, and actually have things have uh, an emotional reason for happening, and then like the randomness that happens is unexpected for the characters, and then they have to just deal with it. Like like that's just just kind of one of the best ways to do it. Well, I give this movie credit in that it's only sort of in retrospect that you get that randomness a little bit. Yeah. I felt like in the moment where the action's happening, it feels natural. When you stop back and you you start doing a more critical analysis of what you've just seen. Some of it breaks down, but in the moment you're just having fun with it and mm-hmm. it works for real. It works on screen. All right. Yeah. I mean that, that being said, um, I thought it was weird how uh, Regina was taken out. She just got hit with the butt of a gun. It's like, that's it. You're not going to kill her. <laughs> no, she lives. She's too good a character to kill. And not that I think that there's necessarily a, a sequel coming, but I think that, yeah, you don't have to kill everybody mm. and that it is a little bit of a show of mercy mm-hmm. on Mary's part to not straight up murder her you yeah, know, while makes she's sense. Like, essentially defenseless. I think that's a, that's a big part of a lot of the, the kills and the violence in this, in this movie are based around sort of defense or defenseless. One of the big problems that, you know, people have to resolve with is that there's this guy named Cherokee Bill running around with the reputation of being a, the fastest gunslinger in the territory, but B also a guy who cheats when he wants to. So like he could legitimately beat you in a duel or he might just shoot you in the back, which is one guy says, I heard he shoots guys in the back. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, he shoots him in the front and the back. <laughs> and so, so yeah. So you have that, that duality there where it's about, you know, opportunity meeting honor. And so when you when you have a character like Trudy and she's defenseless, I think there is something to be said that Mary doesn't kill her when she's out cold. Yeah, it makes sense, especially the stories that they'd shared earlier as well. Right, yeah. right. They knew each other. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they knew each other. But like they, they but but she, well, they knew of each other because she knew her other name. She calls her by some. She's like, oh, isn't it grotesque Gertrude? And she's like, I go by treacherous Trudy now. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good change. <laughs> so I go by treacherous mm-hmm. Trudy now. <laughs> I felt it was so stupid that they, they did let her go. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, it's not like I could force this woman what to do. 
But it's just like it was such mm-hmm, a dumb mm-hmm. plan. Like the guy's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> you just gonna show yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it is. like how would you been able to get in, any information like this? You gonna rest it all on right. you being stagecoach Mary? That you just what? <laughs> you think enough of your reputation that you can just waltz in here and we won't notice that it's not a fucking coincidence? <laughs> it's not a, like. You want us to believe that you're here because you heard we were back in town and mm-hmm. this is all just the fact that I've been robbed the other day and the guy you used to run with is around is a coincidence. It is kind of fun because it is one of those things where devoid of any other real plan, you might just come up with a bad one. Why not? People mm-hmm. have bad ideas all the time. She just had a really bad fucking idea. She thought her name alone would get her through the door and they're like, nah, we're going to knock you out with a rifle. And now you're bait. <laughs> and then you have, of course, Nat Love's got to come get her. Got to come get his woman. Can't capture his woman and expect that to stand. So he comes and he brings the boys and uh, he ends up getting captured. <laughs> so which well, either was or wasn't part of his plan all along. And so, um, you know, they beat him pretty good and basically explain like, you're going to go get my money plus $10,000 more or she dies. And it, you know, at that point, basically it's, you know, it's half baked. It's mm-hmm. like, go get my money boys and come back for your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they go get the money and they come back and they're like, all right, we can be cool as long as we're cool. Cause they, they figure that, you know, this is a Western. There's going to be some double crossing at play. So everybody's real tense. How do you make the exchange without them shooting everybody or you not having the money? So everybody's admittedly tense. And like happens so often, the handoff goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. So they're uh so they're in the midst of all of the chaos and whatnot. Lakeith Stanfield does cheat. He cheats. He shoots uh he shoots Jim Beckworth while he's counting down during the duel. And then he also shoots Bill Pickett right in the back. You can just see that coming. Uh I like that. I like I like that scene where he gets uh shot with the quarter. And just for it to just be another boom. Yeah. Yeah. A quarter quarter or whatever coin he had saved him. Yep. Uh, Saved his life. And then only just for a moment. Yeah. So great, man. That guy's great. You know, I always remember him as Darwin from X-Men First Class. Yeah. That actor. Oh, my God. That's for me. I I know he's done other fun stuff. (laughs) Well, they started the movie by killing the quote unkillable character. So that's kind of weird. But that movie is awesome. But we're not talking about X Men First Class. Don't you do that? You brought me. it up. Um, I did bring it up. I did bring it up. But Bill Bill Pickett is, you know, played by Edie Githergi, and he's great in X Men First Class. But he does get shot uh, after his life is miraculously saved. You think it's going to be one of those movie moments where you're like, thank God for that. And then boom, which the brutality of the gunfight definitely comes through in spots. And then Lakeith Stanfield finally has to have an honest fight and he has it with Cuffy and Cuffy shoots him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great callback because when Jim Beckworth's doing all of his gun tricks and mm-hmm. Roy Lindo is looking at him going, you too tricky. Just, just, you should just pull and shoot. All the rest of that stuff is just noise. Yeah. And so he goes, yeah, but have you ever seen anyone faster than me? Anyone. And then Cuffy goes, I have. And they look at her and they go, yeah, where'd you see somebody faster than me? She goes, every morning when I look in the mirror. And they all laugh and make fun of her. And then she draws down Cherokee Bill in a fair fight. And, oh, it's great. I love what she says. She says that he was faster. Mm. You know? Gives him his due, even even in that moment. Yeah, man. It's, just, it's so dishonorable to do some shit like that, you know? 
I know, but you know, Wild Bill, or uh, rather, sorry, there's two guys named Bill, Cherokee Bill. Cherokee Bill warns him earlier that it's not about who's quickest, it's about who's alive. Mm-hmm. That the point of a quick draw competition is not to be the fastest draw, it's to be the guy alive at the end of the shot. And so if somebody's telling you that before you're about to engage in some, you know, duel to the death, you better damn well prepare for them to freaking, you know, cheat. Cause they don't, cause there are no rules in a duel to the death by their estimation. And you know what? He ain't wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. He's dead now. But Lakeith Stanfield definitely stays in his lane. He he's still doing like the weird philosopher character, you know, like the I guy, it, like it, it always makes me think of what's that. I feel like it worked for this movie. It does work for this movie, the introspective, mm-hmm. contemplative kind of character. And it definitely, definitely works in this role. But I just, I want him, to, I, I would love to see him play normal for once, not tortured and affected. Yeah. Just a normal fucking guy. What is Lakeith Stanfield the normal guy about? Like, I imagine in real life, Lakeith Stanfield can't order from Starbucks without quoting Nietzsche. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I feel like his character is, that he's just always quiet and weird and introspective. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe he's a little bit smarter than you. Maybe he's not, but who the fuck can tell? Like, he's just weird. And I think that he definitely plays weird here very well. And so this this suits Lakeith Stanfield. Sometimes he gets out of his lane, so to speak, and tries to go and carry something. He doesn't have to carry shit here. He plays his role beautifully and he's amazing mm-hmm. in it. And then, yeah, we get down to the very end. Um, and you have the final showdown between Jonathan Majors, Nat Love, and uh, Idris Elba's Rufus uh, Buck. And we get all kinds of all kinds of stuff happening. They find out all kinds of things about each other. And then Jonathan Majors guns him down. Yeah. You know what? This ends now, man. It's over. It's over. And I feel like it's the right choice. And then the other thing I really love about it is that the movie is then almost immediately over. Like, it ends pretty freaking quick after that, which to me feels like a Western because Westerns were modeled in a lot of way after old samurai movies and old kung fu movies where once the final villain is done, the movie is over. Yeah. And so this ends pretty quickly after that point and good times. The only other thing that I would mention uh, about this that I thought was hysterical was that this movie has such a, uh, 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 a disciplined tone. And then you get to Maysville, which is the white town. <laughs> and I feel like the whole movie just descends into this weird parody. And it's amazing that it's able to make this comedic tonal shift. And it totally works. Like in the white town, literally everything is white, which is <laughs> fucking hysterical. Like, and it's this sort of overexposed, oversaturated, direct sunlight, sort of all the buildings are white. The sand on the ground looks white. All the people are white. They're all mm-hmm. wearing white. And it's like, and you see these two black characters trying to navigate this town And it really hammers home how much they are standing out, how completely strange and alien 
It's like visiting another planet. They look like oh, astronauts yeah. on another fucking planet. Well, then, then he he also he also has that line: "Times sure changed, huh?" Because it, I mean, it wasn't that long. They were, <laughs> it wasn't that long they were slaves, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And this would have been out in the Western territories. So depending on what the time is that they they set it in. You know, it would be not too long after the Civil War, but it still would be a very yeah, dangerous been, time been for the, them. It would have been the 1870s. Yeah, yeah, point well yeah. taken. Um, but the the when the when the lady's laughing at him, and then they pull their guns, and then the great line from Jonathan Majors, he's like, "I get why people rob banks now. Robbing banks is easy." And then he looks at the guard and he goes, "But doing it without killing people—that's hard." Mm-hmm. And the guard's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna try you." That's fine. You can take the money and go, please. And so then they get the money and they go. And I think that that's part of the reason why the retribution wasn't so harsh. You know, when they say, well, if you go rob a white bank in a white town, you will have the whole weight of the state tracking you down. And they do it and they largely get away with it because they don't kill anyone. That the crime is then only a certain level of crime. If you don't actually, if it isn't a black person murdering a white person, the reaction is just not going to be anywhere near as harsh. And that plays out. That that scans. It's a it's a fantastic movie altogether. When it when it comes down to it, it is a fantastic movie. You know, so um, I can't wait. I just can't wait to see what all these all these people do after this. Like just oh yeah. Know, I th- I feel like this is uh, Idris's like best thing that he's done in a while without having to do a lot. You know, he just yeah yeah he just has to carry presence. Yeah, that presence was so great. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's missing from a lot of his movies because you know people are expecting him to be charming or they're expecting him to be yeah you know, yeah yeah uh, handsome or like having the British rogue mm-hmm. voice or it's just it's just great. It's great. And this is James Samuel's first feature film. Yeah. That's wild. He's great. It's such a great job. And and touching back on one thing that we talked about last week, how are the people in this movie lit? Are they lit well? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> they look they look amazing. And you know, it was something that you said about last time that made perfect sense that part of the reason why I think this movie gets the lighting so right is that you don't have very many scenes where you have black characters and white characters in the same scene. So you can really direct the lighting for one particular type of skin tone and get it correctly without having to try and mix and match with, you know, a, a, a diverse cast. So having a lot of those scenes focused on just those characters leads mm-hmm. to some really artistic and creative choices. Oh yeah, definitely. I thought it was a great time. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you're seeing that now. I mean, it's it's just been. I know, I know. You had to drag me kicking and screaming into a western because I'm not really a western guy. I mean, Tombstone's <laughs> a classic; everybody loves that. But like, I get it now. Westerns are the superhero movies of their generation. Where oh you yeah, have people man. of exceptional abilities going on either a righteous or a criminal mm-hmm. quest and coming into conflict. There, it's the same narratives over and over again. And yeah. I guess that's just that's just storytelling. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I probably wouldn't have seen this hadn't you not told me about it. You got to see uh, Unforgiven if you haven't. Also, uh, Silverado. Yeah, I, I believe I've seen Unforgiven, mm-hmm. but Silverado I'm not familiar with. Uh, but but Tombstone is the gold standard, I think. Oh, and The Quick and the Dead is fucking underrated. Young Leonardo DiCaprio in that one. And, uh, yeah, Sam, Sam, Sam Raimi? 
Sam Raimi. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Sam Raimi and Gene Hackman at the height of his powers. Yeah. So Westerns, go check them out. I didn't mm. think it was going to be for me. And the harder they fall was totally for me. I couldn't put it down. So I can't wait to see uh, after this being James Samuel's debut feature film. I'm super stoked for what he's got coming left. And I hope it's more Westerns because he does the genre serious justice. Mm-hmm. Now, people want to do you some serious justice. Where are they going to go tell you how much they like you? Well, first of all, they could play the game seven uh, nights <laughs> and represent with my character, Cade. Yeah, go buy that game. <laughs> they could watch Yashahime on Hulu. That's also on Toonami. <laughs> oh, season two coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah, you get, uh, uh, otherwise, you can check out our podcast and give us some support on our on our Instagram, uh, Tales to Admonish uh, podcast. Uh, check that out and uh, and just interact with us on there. Um, you can also see me on my website, uh, ArthurRomeo.live. And uh, you can also check out my TikTok and YouTube and uh, Instagram pages for Draw Really Awesome Wow uh, underscore. And what about you, Fine Sir? Oh, well, I'm pretty quiet. You can find me on Instagram occasionally at Thomas.Olton. Or you can, of course, find our Instagram at tales to admonish and uh, yeah, reach out to me there if you want to find me. I don't really do too many of the other social media stuff. They're, they're not nice places. He does some really nice burlesque shows on Instagram Live sometimes. You shut your mouth about that. God damn it. No, we're not talking about my burlesque shows on Instagram Live. We are talking about everyone's favorite podcast. <laughs> You're goddamn right we are. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for coming by, everybody. Thank you. Bye, beautiful people.